Welcome to our feature discussion, which is going to cover, I don't know, about 50 years of Coronation Street. Just a little quick recap of 50 years today is the plan. Don't settle down to do anything prolonged while you're listening to this, because we're (laughs) going to be very quick. Well, I don't know know what we're going to do. It just feels like, you know, we've been on on a bit of a journey on the podcast in the last two and a half years, and it feels like we need to have some kind of concluding thoughts about it, doesn't it? I don't know. It makes me feel like I'm auditioning. The voice or something. We're auditioning for Cory Archivist with this uh, with this podcast here. But no, I just you know it was um it was just before the start of the pandemic we decided that we um we wanted to go back and rewatch um all of the DVDs, didn't we? Because um I can't remember what the company is that released them now, but around about the time of the fiftieth anniversary, they released sets of DVDs which had like eighty episodes per decade, and it was something that we hadn't really touched on before. And we thought, well, because it was the sixtieth anniversary of Coronation Street that year, it would probably be a, a nice idea to get something to get something done and go back in time. It'd be good for the podcast um, to be able to talk about it. It'd be good for our um, previous knowledge of the characters to to kind of because there there are lots of characters back from especially the first 20 years I'm going to say for me of the show that I'd read a lot about seen about in clip shows maybe watched the odd episode here and there but that was about it and you know we've been doing the podcast for eight years by that point or nearly eight years and it felt like we needed to know a bit more didn't it yes it did what was I mean I can't remember what was your kind of existing knowledge before then was it I guess even even less because you'd only started watching it on TV in the early two thousands. I only watched it when you made me watch it <laughs> <laughs> to try and, to try and woo you in university. What you wooed me? I yeah, definitely. I wooed you and Macquarie. It worked, didn't it? It did. Yeah, well, twenty so years later. I really didn't know. It's really annoying. I wish we had like set down some initial thoughts about what we thought we were going to see and who people were. Because I remember, I always remember you talking about, oh, the the women of the snug, Ina, Minnie and Martha, and thinking, you know, these people sound like, I don't know, I, I guess because, like, everybody has this in their country, but you have, like, your distant kind of, like, history of, like, monarchs and leaders and all these kind mm. of influential people, and you lots of times don't really know that much about them but that except for their reputations and sort of vague kind of stories and yeah. that's how I kind of felt about some of the big names of Coronation Street like I knew they were important and significant but I didn't really know all that much about them and I um just kind of felt like I didn't know what I was talking about a lot of the time so I was quite excited to kind of give myself a bit more legitimacy. (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, by then, we'd done so many discussions about, you know, old Coronation Street. We'd done character profiles of a lot of the old characters. We'd done, you know, discussions of topics that included reference to old episodes, but we hadn't really seen any of it. I'd seen, you know, the the earliest back that I I had seen before all of this was um, somewhere around the early 1980s because I used to watch it on Granada Plus, but that was in the the late 1990s anyway. So a lot of that was a kind of a bit in the the distant past by then. Um, The 60s and 70s really were a, a total blank for me. I'd literally just seen the odd episode here and there. Although I think, 
No, come and think about it. When the another thing that they released around the fiftieth anniversary, do you remember that big gold box set of of Corrie episodes? Yeah, we had that. I think we had two two versions of that. We did I think have we bought two. one for ourselves, and we we were gifted one by my great aunt. And we must have watched that at the time. Again, that would have been before the podcast started. It. I think we did. I'm pretty sure that we did. I probably made you do that as well. <laughs> I also it, it, we were just watching it for fun, and and this time we were yes we were watching it for fun, but it was also. To, 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 for the podcast because we needed to sound a little bit more legitimate like you said I wonder whether I saw the first episode before I can't remember I really don't know no it's annoying I, yeah I, I don't know um, what what I was expecting from the early episodes I I think I might have thought that they were going to be a bit slow and boring in yeah. hearts one I thing oh, I have on. to say is that um, before we did our rewatch we would still get um, sort of messages from people saying, um, you know, you, you should watch the older episodes or I think Coronation Street isn't as good as it used to be or, mm. I, I, you know, Coronation Street's gone downhill or you'd see comments online of people saying, oh, it's not as good as it used to be and stuff. And it always used to kind of, it always used to really irritate me because I feel very protective about Coronation Street in general. And so when when it was when people were criticising it, I was always like, no, no, don't say yeah, that. Yeah, so was I. I mean, so, especially when we, it was when it was going through its dark Kate Oates period in mm, 2017. We really enjoyed it then. We, we really, That's really true. enjoyed it. And That's lots of people true. were saying, oh, it was better in the olden days. We were like, no, it, it really did now. invite a lot of comparisons. That, that yeah. particular era, not so much anymore, but that particular era definitely did. It brought out the, the old out, school yeah. fans. So I was to always say it's, yeah, almost what's to this show. on guard. In a, in a sense, against being indoctrinated into this <laughs> sort of, like, uh, this thought process that Coronation Street has somehow got worse. Yeah. And I didn't really want to believe that was the case, but I certainly do agree that it's changed over the years. And it really is no wonder. That certainly would be ridiculous if it had never changed at all. No, over the course of 60 years. And whether, you know, you can argue different, you, you know, different eras are, are sort of had different focuses and you know the big names are certainly different and what they bring to the show and you know the viewership changes over time and what people expect from a tv show changes over mm. time mm. and so coronation street is constantly trying to keep up with that um and so yeah it, it does change over over the years so when we went into it, though, like you, I was kind of expecting it to be a bit boring, a bit stale. I, I think I thought it'd be a little bit boring and slow, but I did think that the whole black and whiteness of the 60s episode might make it feel a little bit special, which it ended up doing. I yeah. thought I was convinced that 70s Coronation Street I would not be interested in at all because I'd seen the odd bit of it, I'd seen screenshots and it just looked, you know, very brown, very avocado. Um, <laughs> very orange. Yeah, very beige. And I was thinking, I, d- I don't like the look of that. But I mean, I was definitely proven wrong because I absolutely love it now. And, and as we were getting towards the end of our of our rewatch, which, you know, as I say, it was two and a half years long it took in the end, um, I was, I'm kind of getting the hankering for going back to revisit some of those 60s and 70s episodes again. Um, One thing I think yeah. that people know about me is that I'm really interested in social history, especially mm. recent social history. And also, you know, depictions of women and feminism and how... Uh, people used to dress or act or what they used to eat, how they used to spend their time. And so I was very much enthralled by that aspect of watching old episodes. And I'm not particularly... This is the trouble. I can't really distinguish that from how I felt about watching it as a show. So, you know, 
am I am I interested in it because I feel like I'm on safari and you know in the in the past like watching the the natives that was definitely a part of it it was a bit like you know going to one of those museums that have got yeah. old houses that I you can that. walk through that's and go oh what they got on their shelves that's my favorite thing to do I absolutely love it yeah so that's what it felt like go it felt like we were going back in time yeah yeah, definitely. Um, so let, let's let's have a talk about you know, what what we actually watched in it, and and this did go two and a half years ago. So episode four hundred and three, way back then, because we're on what five three two now, I think. Four, so four hundred and three was when we first talked about the episodes from nineteen sixty, because the very first disc in the very first box was literally all of the episodes from nineteen sixty, wasn't it? There was like yeah. seven of them. Yeah. And I remember we sat and we watched those episodes. It was almost back to back. It was over two, maybe three sessions, wasn't it? because we thought oh let's just you know we'll, we'll start this little thing now let's just watch one to see how we go and then we got to the end of the first one it's like oh that was quite good wasn't it let's watch the next one and then the second one ends on a bit of a cliffhanger I think I'm right in saying and, and, and then the third one follows straight on after it and, and before you know it the 60s we just wolfed our way through um, and, and then over time it just became a little thing to dip into every now and then. We'd always try and watch a handful of episodes at the weekend. Um, sometimes when there were days that Corrie wasn't on, like Tuesdays or Thursdays, we Can might I watch just one. Say one thing that you you're really glaringly missing here. What's this? <laughs> the pandemic. Oh yeah, oh gosh, March yeah, twenty twenty oh, yeah, was when the pandemic began, <laughs> and not only did it change everyone's lives, but it also um, meant there was less coronation. I Street. totally remember. I forgot about that. Yeah, towards the the end it was Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays maybe we were watching but you're right during 2020 especially that period in the first half of the year when I was off work or mm-hmm. working from home I was we were able it was one of the things I loved most about it was being able to have lunch with you and quite often we would have, was, have lunch together and watch nice. our 1960s yeah. 1970s Coronation Street so a part of my good memories about those old episodes maybe ties into just being able to be at home and spend more time with you as well I guess. It really was weird and it because it was also I have to say um, the pandemic was horrific in many ways, and I don't want to diminish the horrible, you know, time that, no. you know, deaths and misery. But another thing that came out of it was people talking about quite old fashioned values of, you know, spending time with your family and people talking about cooking banana bread and, you know, their meals together and going for walks. And the family unit became a very important part of society again, because that's the only people you were allowed to see. You couldn't see your workmates, you couldn't see your colleagues, you couldn't see your friends, you couldn't see your extended family. You could only really socialise with people in your house. And so in a sense, it felt like the values of the pandemic were being mirrored on screen in a, in a way mm. because everything was a smaller world everything was very Cozy condensed and yeah. and, and, and local and and family units were important and a lot of the things the modern day uh, accoutrements of life you know like going out and having restaurant meals and exotic ingredients and you know what's the latest thing what's the you know uh, it wasn't around in our lives when we were watching the same thing happening in the 60s which was a very different time mm. and those kind of values and those kind of that kind of lifestyle it really felt like i i was kind of 
felt more of a kinship with the people in the show because of this very bizarre experience that we were going through. Yeah, and even back in the, the day, pandemic. the coronation, you know, back in the 60s especially, and the 70s I guess, the Coronation Street did feel very enclosed because there was only so much set, wasn't there? So there were it was a very, fewer... very small community, very small area, and it yeah. all felt a bit locked small, in, if you like. Smaller cast, smaller stories... Nothing was incredibly ambitious. It was all very. They had the odd ambitious state. thing, didn't they? What do you mean? Well, you know, like the train crash, for example. But that didn't, you know, that that. I mean, I'm talking about the early, very early days. Yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. It, 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 was, it was, you know, well, so and so's made a cake. Oh, we're going to have a flower uh, show and. Oh, somebody's fallen down the chimney, or you know what I mean? It was. Yeah, it was the sort of thing that these days they might put on. Every, like you know once every couple of months they'd put one of these stories in and we'd probably watch it now and go what, what on earth is going on there and they would also probably try to put some little bit of a comedy thing in there that maybe wouldn't particularly work but it was what what Coronation Street was leaving and breathing from in the early days wasn't and it, it and it felt and real it worked it, it felt worked really I real. thought it'd feel boring but because it felt so real I was absolutely hooked by it so we kind of blazed through those early episodes and I just want to also say that it felt very much steeped in theatre and um, that kind of way of telling a story in an intimate manner. Mm. Um, but with, you know, the facility that only a television show could give them, that you can see the actors' faces, you can zoom right in and see their expressions. So they played up to that quite a lot. But you had all these stars of the, uh, treading the boards. Television was very new. Everybody who was in the show felt like they were, they came from a proper theatre background, entertainment, you know, music, singing... All that kind of stuff. So everything felt much more intimate, I thought. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and we, we ploughed right on through them. But it was also... In the 60s and 70s, we definitely watched a lot fewer episodes than we did later on. Because at the, the beginning of this little odyssey we went on, we just stick, stuck to the DVD episodes, didn't we? Um, so, um, for example, in the 1960s, we'd watch... 80 episodes in a year and when we had our discussions because our discussions on the podcast we were happened every five years that started off with you know, 40 episodes and then as we got into the the 70s we we supplemented it with a couple more that we maybe found on uh, on YouTube so for example in the first half of the 1970s we talked about 51 episodes and in the second half we talked about 53 so we ended so up talking like, we had discussed like 100 odd episodes in the 70s and only 80 of those were on disc yeah yeah so other ones we yeah we got from YouTube or, or other sources but whereas where if when we got into the 2000s and this is part of the reason why it took us so long to release the episode discussions it's because we were we were almost doubled our episode count weren't we like the the last discussion that we did a couple of weeks ago with, with the second half of the 2000s um, by my calculations we that was a discussion of 101 episodes so compared to the 1960s where we had 33 episodes in the in the 61 to 64 block to 101 episodes it was a little bit different so I think people might have been wondering why it was taking so long to, to get the episodes really out and, and, and that, that anybody was why. wondered why it was taking so long because it was it was like 30 episodes 30 weeks between the final two discussions but in the early days it was you know every every six weeks every 10 weeks almost that we would have another another chat but we had more time to talk about we it. did we we absolutely did there was there were two confounding issues there was the issue that there were more episodes to watch um and and oh, i can't remember what the other one is now but basically you 
you're you're you've got fewer episodes to pick from, and so the storylines felt more cohesive, yeah. and it was easy to follow what was going on. We definitely found that. And as the episode that. spiraled into you know dozens and dozens and dozens, and we could only watch a small percentage of them, it was more and more difficult to follow hmm. the stories and. Yeah, so what we ended up starting to do is looking on Corypedia and looking at their the pages about each year and kind of reading the mini synopsis of what happened between when you these. Say we. Well, I, I read them to you to tell you this is what has happened in between this episode and that episode, and it was be- yeah very very easy to pick it up. I thought in the sixties. The other thing about the early episodes, I think, is that there were more episodes that felt more standalone, so it wasn't yeah. linked and it didn't matter. You know, missed a few. Yeah, oh, you've got Ian and Minnie and Martha going to the laundrette for an episode. Who, who cares? We can still pick up whatever's going on next. Oh, that's why I, I remember what I was going to say now. It's not just more episodes, it's more characters. Yeah. And yeah. so people are having their own little dramas and their own... And, you know, for the best the best one in the world, no matter how many episodes you've got, you know, two, it started off with two episodes a week, and now we're on six episodes a week. But I don't feel that the increase in episodes is proportional to the increase in the characters. So... No you're still missing out on massive chunks of what the hell is going on with Billy, you know, where's mm. Moira? She's gone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You you go months and months sometimes not seeing anybody, yeah, not seeing a character. it didn't feel like it was, apart and that from never the really, strike, yeah. it didn't happen in those early days of Corrie, did it? No. No, it didn't. So it felt, it felt like we've gone from a village to a city. Mm. The other thing, I mean, maybe this is the, ties into what you said earlier about the later episodes, is because once we hit... So I'm going to say that the mid 80s, maybe definitely 90s, we were getting more and more um, big episodes, more like, oh, we got to watch that one. Mm. Whereas they could only fit eight on eight per year on the discs, but there are a lot more than eight must-see episodes for the year, weren't there? So I would kind of look down the year, on again, on Coropedia and say, this is on the DVD, but we also want to see this, 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 this and this, because... Yeah, Coronation Street, obviously ratings have, have fallen since then. Um, there's been a lot more competition. They've had to put more bombastic episodes, more episodes to, to grab your attention. So there was obviously a, a lot more for us to see there. And also we had some um, a few stories where we watched a big string of episodes. For example, in the Ken, Deirdre, Mike love triangle in 1983, we watched a good like four or five episodes in a row, didn't we? Mm-hmm. We started doing things like that. When on the lead up to the 40th anniversary with the tarmacking, we watched a string of those episodes. So um, it, was, it was all just yeah, different ways of watching. What were you going to say? I don't remember. Sorry. I... <laughs> but all, all in all, if, if anybody is interested, I reckon that we ended up watching 680, and I think that is roughly, episodes during this um, this long journey of uh, revisiting Coronation Street. Um, and, and that that well, that's, um, was about 10% of all of Coronation Street episodes up until the last episode that we watched. So that's that's not a that's not a bad well, little percentage, is it? That goes from episode 7238. Yeah, but the last one that we saw in 2009 was episode 7238. So at that point we we had seen roughly 9 to 10% of it. Now, I I was having a look at some other figures today because I I'm I'm kind of in a position where I can say because I watched I have watched most of the 80s now, although that was 25 years ago that I watched it. I reckon I've probably watched a good 70% of all Coronation Street episodes now. And now I'm kind of thinking, oh, it's probably not that difficult to watch the whole lot. Although, of course, um, those 60s They're and 70s available. episodes are not available. But it certainly got me hankering for Britbox or whoever to 
um, put just a whole whole load on see it. Him, please. That, but that's a discussion we've had on the podcast lots of times before, and I, I don't know whether whether that's going to work or not. I tell you what, you know, Coronation Street is doing this extension to their set, and they're putting in this visitor centre and. Um, you know, a, a screening room, etc., etc. Yeah. I really think that they should have a study centre, even if it's just a cupboard <sighs> with a so chair good. in it. Imagine all of the students that would love to come. There must be so many media students who would, if they, you gave them access to the archives, yeah. they would love to do just, you know, dissertations. I'd book and out a room for an afternoon, say, I want to watch these, these, yeah, and these episodes. It would really please. cement Coronation Street's reputation as, you know, the premier soap, mm. the original soap as a sort of chronicle of, of British history to allow people to have that kind of access. I really think that there would there would be a good idea to, to, to have that. It might be a pain in the bum, but I do think it would boost their kudos if they were being, you know, referenced by mm. by students. Yeah, yeah. Especially considering that a lot of those students would be local to the area and it's good to you know, maintain... Well, that. you never know. Maybe they have got that. Maybe that's their, their idea. Okay, they tempt us up there for sure. Um, okay. One thing I don't want to do is to sort of make it seem as though I am not appreciative of current Coronation Street or the way that Coronation Street has changed and developed over the years and the way that it's adapted itself to what people want to see and how ambitious it's become. Because um, certainly back in the, you know, the good old days of banging pots and pans together in kitchens and moaning about somebody not getting a job to, you know, tram crashes and cyber stalking and <laughs> all this you know Coronation Street's always been very ambitious yeah. and it's um continued to move with the times and impress and tell stories about things that people are going through mm. and those stories change as as society and culture changes yeah um yeah they, they've just as I said earlier had to keep up with competition and do, do just... whatever they can to keep tongues wagging because back in the early days when there was only two episodes on TV it was either watch that watch BBC or, or watch nothing and so they've had to yeah, do more of the bombast now um, so what, what, what other kind of changes would we say there have been over the years I think that was it that was that, was that is that all it was was it pretty much I think we've covered it <laughs> I um I, I, I one thing I really enjoyed about being able to watch it from start to finish as it were well, not quite finished. We're seeing the set extending over the years. That that really fascinated me, and um, and we talked about that a couple of months ago, didn't we? When we did our discussion on the the changing sets of Coronation Street. But I absolutely loved every time they they stepped outside those front doors in the early episodes and 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 going. Oh look at that! That's just just an in, indoor set, and then you know a few years would go by, and then it's like oh they're on an actual street, but we can only see some of it, and oh you can't see around the backs of the houses. Oh that I I, I thought that that was really really interesting to to look at, and, and I thought that in the early days I was expecting to think it looked really ropey and shoddy and rubbish, but it kind of didn't. I was able to suspend my disbelief a bit. Did you find that it didn't feel like the cobbles were painted on the floor? No, you know, they did a fantastic job. Obviously, the resolution was not very high, and you know the cameras—it's not been recorded in high def, mm. so you you kind of wouldn't have noticed anyway. But um, it did feel realistic. Yeah, it did. They 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 did it. They did. It a, didn't a feel like job. you were watching 
you know, basically it was a play. Yeah, it, it was. And, and there were also, I mean, there were the odd bits where, like, the boom would drop into the shop. Oh, we used to have fun. <laughs> we, we, that used to be a, a real fun, that yeah. The first thing. few months, we would, like, go, who could be the first to shout out boom, boom whenever we boom. saw it drop in. But it, it didn't matter. It was... It, you could just suspend all disbelief and, and enjoy it for what it was. And I did find those 60s and 70s episodes absolutely fascinating because they were so new to me. Um, and, yeah, I just I just loved them. I, I loved the characters. I loved um, the humour. And in the, the talk, it, we talk about Ian McLeod's talks about, you know, classic Corrie humour, bring it back. And, and I always used to think, oh, what was it that funny in the olden days? It, it, it really was, wasn't it? It was, it was a, a lot more gentle. There wasn't the kind of the sexy innuendo humour or anything like there is now, particularly. Um, I think the characters in themselves were funnier. Yeah, I th- think just naturally, lot... not, not trying to be funny. Not like this no. is a comedy character, but like somebody like... Just witty. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people on Coronation Street who had good banter... But I think now I can tell you off the top of my head, you know, a dozen characters who do not have any sense of humour whatsoever and never really make jokes or say anything interesting or funny. Mm. And, uh, you know, I don't know whether that's just because they've got so many stories they want to tell and they don't have time, but they can make the time for it. Yeah. Um, I just remember people being sarcastic and I think that Coronation Street can be a bit scared sometimes because I don't think that they think people will get it. I don't know. But yeah, there was definitely people were a bit quicker and wittier and and funnier mm. than they used to be. Yeah, the other thing with the humour as well. Than they are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing with the humour is it felt like we were able to watch more kind of standalone. What would happen if these characters did this and were just left to... It was almost kind of almost sitcommy, wasn't it? It's particularly with the Ogdens in the nineteen seventies. There's some of my favourite episodes back from that era were just let's see what happens when the Ogdens brew beer in their bathtub. Let's see what happens when Stan buys Hilda chickens. Let's see what happens when um, they they have to go down the tip to find all their clothes that they were put put in a bag. And that let let's see what happens. Like one of my favourite episodes was Hilda putting on her posh party where she had her eggs in aspic and everything. And just those little, still still stand alone, just wouldn't it be funny if sort of episodes, yeah. which don't happen really these days. It doesn't happen as much in, I mean, there are a few different things, you know, a few bits and bobs, but they always feel like they're waving in and they, you know, there has to be some reason why that story is in there. But yeah, I think Coronation Street now knows that part of the, thing they have to do is keep people coming back so there has to be a story that's ongoing all the time Mm. you couldn't i don't think coronation street would work now if everything felt very like you say one-off and yeah you know the adventures of so and so today i mean we had we had something a bit like that for the ten thousandth episode didn't we which interestingly enough was the very the first time that we talked about the old episodes, when we talked about the 1960s episode, that was also the week of the 10,000th episode. But that was just all the all the women going on a coach to Backpool and never getting there, wasn't it? And that was what lots of episodes back in the early days used to be. And it was probably... I mean, the, the, if, there was, if anyone was to say to me, like, what was the first big must-see story saga kind of thing that turned Coronation Street from that into more what it is now, I, I would probably say based on what we viewed, the the Ken, Deirdre, Mike love triangle, that really felt like it was stepping Coronation Street up a gear, didn't it? And not not in a bad way at all, because the way it feels at the moment that we're 
we're completely, you know, giving up on modern curry and saying, yeah, old curry is the way to go. It's not. I still love all the um, all the all the it's overly dramatic stuff. It's just different. A different approach for different eras of television, and it yeah. only makes sense that they do the they the other way they are. Mm. But now. That, that that to me was when it first started feeling like, oh, this feels a little bit more like they've left the old curry behind. Did you kind of get that sense? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So um, we've, we've talked, we've, we've said that we were able to discover lots of characters back in the old days before that we'd read about. And are there any characters now that you would, who would you say, based on our rewatch, are some favourites that, you know, two and a half years ago we would have never, we wouldn't well, have, I mean, it just seems crazy to, to think that we did the podcast so long, didn't it, without really, well, really knowing about told, the show. We kept being told this, and I have to say, it wasn't really until... Number one, we had the money from Patreon, so mm. thank you everybody for yes. for helping us with that because it doesn't you know it doesn't seem like it's a lot of money, but it really makes a big difference. Yeah, that, and that it was wasn't all Patreon until the was. pandemic that we had the time. Mm. So the money and the time were really kind of a gift to us in that you know in that year that, that couple of years. Yeah. Um. So that enabled us to do it. So. Yeah, so who who get, tell me some characters well, I don't want to, that you. The thing is, it's all very cliche. It's not particularly. Um, nothing I'm going to say is a revelation. Oh, I you know I really liked Steve Fisher and I really liked what's her Steve name Fisher. Audrey Fleming. <laughs> Steve Fisher and Audrey Fleming have been a bit of a gift to the podcast. That they're our new go- joke characters, aren't they? They just <laughs> never mentioned them three years unmemorable. ago. Unmemorable, but you know I remember talking about memorable. Pat Phoenix and how legendary she was. So being able to see her, she really was magnificent. I think she's amazing. I loved her character. Mm. Um, I didn't know what I would think about Elsie Tanner, Elsie Tanner beforehand. Um, I, I knew that she had a reputation of being a, a, an all-time Corrie great. But I knew I thought, that mm, she, uh, Pat Phoenix, was she, maybe she's not going to be right up my street. Maybe she's going to be a bit Carla-ish, who I yeah. kind of like. But very, very early on, she just absolutely she wowed me. She's she's definitely a mega. Pat Phoenix, Elsie Tanner convert, and all, I mean her and Dennis Tanner really, and, and I loved think him. He, and he came as a bit of a surprise to me. Um, Linda, I, yeah, Linda, I, you you enjoyed Linda, Linda so more than me. Yeah, I think I yeah, I mean you know it makes sense to me that you might identify more with the male characters and mm. not me with the female characters. But so with, the with fact Elsie, that I really loved Linda Chavesky. Yeah. with Elsie because she's such a legend when she was watching in the back of my head I was like thinking well lots of people like her so I, I kind of need to like her too but I still ended up did liking her but somebody like when Dennis came along I had enjoyed him when he came back in the early 2000s but I I had I didn't even think oh I wonder what Dennis is going to be like in the early days yeah, he was I brilliant. knew that he was in it but th- that was a, a, mag- a mega cheeky, surprise to me funny brilliant just wonderful character yeah. and again so caught up with pop culture at the time you know the, the being in a band and uh wanting to be famous because i really think that you know that kind of fame didn't really exist in pop culture Not before until, no, that, until this that era. era um you yeah. know you had you had your like, big bands and singers and and actresses and things and actors but you know this kind of way of making your name through 
the entertainment business and being a singer you suddenly you're opened up to a whole new audience through the television and and um this pursuit of fame was so endearing because he could never really get there and mm. and i loved his ducking and, his, and diving and his hapless attempts to constantly make money that yeah. always backfired mm. um he was brilliant she um elsie was brilliant I also really loved the Walkers, Jack and Annie. Yeah, and and those. Are I really think Jack and Annie are for, kind of forgotten now. I think they are as well, and I had enjoyed Annie from when I watched the eighties episodes back twenty five years ago in the, on Granada Plus. So I, I I knew that I would still like Annie, but She's Jack brilliant. was Jack. I, I he was another one that I thought I I know nothing about you. We'd done a character profile of him before we started of watching. Course. Why would that stop? Based us? on what we'd read online, but I had no preconceptions at all about whether I'd like him or not but um he was just so lovely wasn't he he um, was yeah he was like a gentle giant kind yeah. of a man really and, and a, a similar experience with uh with uh, Minnie Coldwell as well we, we knew about Ina Minnie Martha like you said they're the names that get banded about for the old school Coronation Street three Sharples women in this was, you know a force Legendary. to be reckoned with but Minnie was another one that took me by surprise at just how mm. how much I, I she was adored so her. So endearing and quirky. And there were like whenever Minnie came on the screen, I went like, oh yes, Minnie's in this. And the same with Dennis. Whenever he was in an episode, oh brilliant, because Dennis kind of went to and fro from Coronation Street in his first ten years, or the, the the first ten years, didn't he? He'd like go off on breaks for a bit. But um, yeah, the, those to me were my big surprises. And um, and the Ogdens, although they weren't necessarily surprises, because again, I'd seen bits at them before, and I and I knew that they were massive um but even so despite that i i didn't expect to absolutely love them as much as i thought i would and, yeah. and have hilda ogden pretty much rocket up to my favorite coronation street character of all time they're legends for a reason really yeah it's not just because they were the only ones in it mm. like you know you might be tempted to think if you're being uncharitable yeah yeah and there, and there were some other like smaller characters like say jerry booth that I knew nothing nobody about. Nobody knows. I don't think anybody. No, nobody really had. Knows nobody you. had said to me before. Oh, you got to watch Jerry Booth. He's he's brilliant. He's amazing. I don't think they had. But he was he was one that took me by surprise a little bit just by how gentle and lovely he was. It's really interesting to think that you know these characters who are such household names have kind of really drifted into obscurity even though the show that they used to be on is still on the television, which is not something that anybody ever would have predicted really no there are certain characters from back then that will always get brought up for classic cory characters like bet for example yeah but there are other ones that the show seems perfectly happy just to forget about well and... i mean even bet never gets a name check these days not much no but if there's ever you know a, a clip show or, or whatever or if there's an article in a on digital spy about or who's the most legendary character of all time like there, there was one this week that had a picture of bet oh. on there so she still gets remembered but there are so many mm. gems from the early days that, that do get forgotten about um the other thing that i was interested in before we started watching was would i change my mind about any characters like were there any characters that i thought i would like but actually i didn't or that i remember liking but didn't like so much this time round or any ones that i wasn't expecting to like but i actually did and 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 that that last one for me um len fairclough is in there i didn't think that i'd like his kind of character because i don't usually enjoy the the builders the the kind of the stern um businessman yeah kind of um like man's man yeah the man's man kind of person he was a very gruff very masculine no nonsense sort of yeah 
guy. Yeah, and, and I, I, I really kind of got a lot of respect for that character. He was, you know, he, mostly a pretty decent, decent bloke. Yeah, he was a bit, a bit sly, a bit, a bit with some of his business deals. But he was not for himself. Yeah, but I, I, I was very pleasantly surprised with how much I enjoyed Len. On, on the other hand, Ray Langton. You didn't like I just, Ray. I, I, yeah. I really like Ray because I think he reminded me of this very. It's a very archetypal character of that sort of era of, you know, the lad. Mm. Yeah, I, I and I think because of, because of the the laddishness of him, uh, and being a bit sleazy, um, he he just didn't. It I didn't like it, and 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 the scenes that were, in 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 the kitchen of number five was it? I can't remember. I lose track now. No, I don't even know. Of of Len and and Ray sitting down on the table in the parlour, I didn't. I never particularly enjoyed those. Oh, I love that. I liked it when they all had to live together and they were like being bachelors together and making the tea and. Yeah, no, that that. I thought that was quaint. Mm. I also I'm surprised how little I impact Carla's made on me. Yeah. That's been probably That's been the biggest mega shock, shock of Coronation Me too. Street you, you always liked Kyra a lot more than I did, but I always would would have said, especially when the podcast one started, of the biggest characters, she's one of my favourite characters you know. on the show at the moment. I love Carla. Yeah. But from what we saw from I her early episodes... See, I've tried, I can't recapture my my love or interest, and I don't know what it is. Is it that the episodes weren't that great? That, you know, didn't showcase her particularly well? Is it that her current sort of, you know, what's the word? In the Twilight Zone status of, is she even really in it anymore? Mm. Is that tainting? She is that hasn't had a reaching big... Reaching back and tainting her back? Yeah, there? she hasn't had a big story for a while. And now she's kind of taken a back seat in some ways to Sarah Louise in the, in the underworld. And, and I think when I was watching those early Carla episodes, yeah, my, my current thoughts about the character, which is, oh, it's a kind of shame what she's become, were maybe tainting my view of her back then. Well, there I was what... some great stuff, like... Um, some of the Tony Gordon episodes I enjoyed, the bit where he got her to think that she had killed his henchman, Jimmy. <laughs> um, I thought she was she was really good in that episode, but yeah, that she just didn't grab me the same this time round. Now, I know Coronation Street's always been very famous and prided itself on its strong women characters, strong female characters, but I think that Carla was a kind of... <laughs> She definitely was unique when she came in and that she was a businesswoman and that was her prime directive. There have definitely been women in the past who had had business savvy. Like, you couldn't say that about Bet. You mm. can say that about Rita. You can say that about some of Mike's wives. They were very driven. Um, but yeah, yeah, Carla was a main yeah, character who was a businesswoman and I don't think that was particularly... Yeah. In in my head, she, she always sits outside of the main Corrie cast like I don't particularly you know, categorize the characters in my head, but she never completely felt like she belonged to me. She was you got you know the people who live and live and work on Coronation Street, and then you got your and you had Carla on the outskirts, and I don't know why I ever really saw her like that. But I think the reason why she doesn't click with me on a rewatch is that when she came in, she was very unique and she was a bit of a breath of fresh air. But now there are lots and lots of strong women like that on the show. Mm. And, and you know I, I don't want to diminish any of the very strong female characters that had been in the show before Carla came along that's not the point but she was unique she was like of her era in that the interest in you know single female businesswoman that was like a big thing at the time wasn't it that yeah. was like pop culture love that kind of 
female character. Whereas now I think that the show is kind of really very full of people like that. I think you can argue that Leanne is like that. You know, you've got Debbie who's like that. Mm, Lots of mm. them are, are like that. So Carla doesn't stand out anymore. Not and she's, she's not even a very strong business orientated person anymore. No. But, so 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 w- watching her back, I feel like her uniqueness is is not as pronounced because we're used to that character hmm. archetype on the show now. Does yeah. that make sense? To yeah, you? that does make sense. I don't know if I'm making. <laughs> and another character that I was let down a little bit by this time, which is kind of sad for me as well. So my equivalent of your favourite Carla going down a bit was Curly, and it, and back in the early days of watching. Do you feel I, like you identified with him? Yeah, I think so. I think the same Being thing a bit with me and Carlo, even though I'm not at all anything like No, her. I'm not really like Curly at all either. But I no, think you're not there, when really. I first started <laughs> watching, I suppose he was the person that I identified with the most. And I really enjoyed the relationship with Raquel. And there were still bits that I did. I mean, I think maybe... A, there was an early 90s Curly when there was the Raquel stuff and the Red stuff going on. I absolutely adored that. But... I, I, I thought that I would be like, oh, brilliant, Curly, I absolutely love Curly. He's, he was one of my favourite characters back in when I first started watching and then he's going to get right back up there again. But he never quite made it. He, it, it just kind of seemed a bit sad. Um, I think that you, have, with hindsight and more emotional maturity and life experience, have understood that maybe the story that you thought Curly was telling is different to the story that they were actually trying to portray. Yeah, yeah, think, I, I think Or maybe so. also, you know... As time passes, our perception of certain relationships and events. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely all for Curly and Raquel, and we watching it, it was like they really were making out like this was a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, but they were, but also it's easy, we're primed now to sort of spot like the nice guy, you know, this kind of uh, the incel sort of character. Not that I'm calling Curly that, but this sort of man who believes that the world owes him, you know, a hot girlfriend. Mm. Um, And so Curly's a bit more suspicious and and, um, you're on your guard a bit more, again, about him because there's nothing particularly uh, amazing or unique or special about Curly that he really deserves to have a model girlfriend. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? He really does feel like a bit of a proto-incel. Yeah, no, I don't. And, get and it. those kind of stories now are telling a penny, but but back in the day, yeah, it was it was felt more special. You know, TV it? was full of of, char- of useless, hapless men surrounded by beautiful, skinny <laughs> women who, in real life, would never touch them. <laughs> I mean, it's true; it's still true now. On the to other, a certain extent, yeah. So, complete flip side again of this: a character who we absolutely loved. Back in the olden, not the olden days, back when we originally watched it before and still absolutely loved them this time round was Becky. Mm-hmm. And because, so because we'd seen Carla's return before Becky's return and not really enjoyed Carla's return, I was getting really worried before Becky started coming along thinking, oh, am I going to like her as much this time round? And we still did, didn't she? Catherine she Kelly brilliant. was just so, so good. She, she threw her heart and soul into that She role. was just totally inhabited that character absolutely yeah. yeah one one person that i was a bit of a stealth hit with me was valerie valerie mm. barlow because i i'm really proud of coronation street for even back in those days having somebody i'm gonna argue i don't know that anybody really is like this in the show now i mean toy to a certain extent 
kind of is is a bit like this but Valerie was so intelligent she was educated yeah. she was political she was switched on she was um she was properly Ken's equal and I don't think he's ever really met anybody like that <laughs> since she was sensible I just thought Valerie was a sort of symbol for a certain sort of person that I don't think Coronation Street can really appeal to in that similar way anymore because even like like Toya. Toya is the closest, I think, that we've got. But Coronation Street don't likes to make her look stupid and make fun of her. And they never really did that with Valerie. They never made Valerie into an idiot. They never they Not never sort of saw, undermined no. her. Yeah, in the episodes that I saw, whereas they really constantly are kind of taking pot shots at Toya and making out that she, you know, thinks she's Mm. better than she is and some of the things that she's into are easy to ridicule like you know dumpster diving and eco warriors and all that kind mm. of stuff veggie lasagna do you know what I mean yeah I really feel like sometimes I think Coronation Street had a bit more respect for its characters <laughs> in the early days that they don't really have anymore and I don't know how true that is yeah no I know what you mean um I think that Coronation Street's much more apt because it's got a bigger cast to throw characters under the bus and change their personalities a bit. Well, sometimes, yeah. In service the, of a story. The stories Whereas come I would first, say that Car- Coronation Street originally was more of a character-driven set of, mm. you know, episodes, whereas now it's more, very much so, story-driven. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, with good reason. And, and certainly, that way, you can tell stories in a much freer and easier way than you could do when you were a bit more constrained yeah. back in the day. So there's benefits to be had. Mm. From both approaches. Yeah, um, were there any um, were there any characters that were that are kind of commonly thought of as being big and popular that you weren't really into? Like I, I've said, Ray, for example, I, I didn't particularly enjoy him. Um, I thought Martin Platt was a stupid idiot, and I don't understand. Was he ever popular? <laughs> I'm He's not such a sure shouty now. little idiot. He's always every a single episode, every, every single time I saw him, he was shouting about something, and he seemed to go Getting from angry, zero to a hundred in the anger stakes every single time something went slightly wrong, and I don't know. I don't know what it was. And he went off and had a load of affairs as well. He just was sleaze, They really made him look bad, didn't they? I, I yeah. thought that he was quite a respectable character before no. the rewatch. But yeah, this is kind of soured me on him a little bit. I, I, what, I, did I watch it when he was in it? I can't I think you saw, really I think remember. you saw the tail end of his time in the show he back originally. It struck me as such an insignificant little snivelling wretch of a man who had such an inflated sense of self-importance. Yeah, yeah. Um, Albert, Uncle Albert was another one that never really clicked for me. Oh, I, 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 did, I didn't hate him like you hate Martin. But <laughs> of the episodes that we saw, there was just something that didn't click about it to me. He was a bit too curmudgeonly. Um, it didn't excite me enough. There, there were some scenes that were great with him in. Like, I mean, after the Ken Mike Deirdre love triangle and he found out about it and he was kind of just all really, really upset about he how was, it all... Yeah, he, was, he was really, really very good Very gruff there, but, and guarded. But the, the, there are other episodes that were based around him. Like, there was, wasn't there one that was his birthday and they threw a street party for him or something that we saw and they had some of his old army mates or something come along. It, it, just, it just didn't work for me. Oh, I did like for him. For some reason. Mm. I did like him. I didn't like Percy as much. I see. I loved Percy. I absolutely I adore like Percy. Percy. Much was, prefer him to Albert. Was like, oh, no, Albert's left. We need another Albert. I think there was a, an element to that. I think there was... I can't remember whether there was any crossover of the two characters, but ha- having, you know, the war veteran as a, as a character trope in Coronation Street was... Um, 
they certainly achieved with those two. Yeah, Percy and Phyllis, Percy and Emily, I, I, brilliant pairings there. And I also, I'm speaking of Emily, and another thing that was interesting about this rewatch was seeing some of the characters that we knew from the 2000s onwards in a bit of a new light from seeing their early versions. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, we've, yes, we've talked a lot really, about, really did, yeah. recently about Emily, and, and to us, before we did this rewatch, she was the old woman of the street. Even when I was, like, watching in the 80s, she felt like the old woman of the street. So it was fantastic to see slightly younger Emily in the 60s. Well, I listened recently to our character profile of Emily, and we did not get her. No. Um, but having watched her from her very earliest beginnings, I do feel like I have a much more appreciation for Emily and, and where she's come I really from. do. And, and now it's too late because Eileen Darvish has left the programme. I'd like, I'd really like to watch some and, more recent episodes. Oh, I always suppose we had, and, but I do see her in a much different light now. And also Betty too, like yeah, Betty. Betty was so interesting because she came in as a supporting character to to Maggie. Maggie, Maggie, Clegg, Maggie yeah. Clegg, who was the owner of the corner shop, who was a very sort of sensible, you know, not she wasn't boring, but she wasn't ever thrilling in any in any way. No, but Betty's. I liked of, her. But came in as like the special guest star as her sister mm. and immediately just became really fascinating because she, you know, she was um, big, brash. She was an, a dance champion, which yeah. I love that about her so much. Um, and, and we watched her basically turn from this kind of vivacious sort of um, loving life woman into basically a, a miserable old... She was. It, by the end, she was a big old grump, wasn't just she, Just grumpy Betty? cow that any time anything happened, she went, I'm quitting, I'm quitting, I'm quitting. Yeah. And it's just it was just funny to it see that. that. She wasn't a fun character in the end. Yeah, but I think that when we watched her in the first time around, we thought she was funny. And um, it was always... She was very endearing. And I think everybody really liked, liked Betty. But watching her back, it just feels like she's turned into this twisted old woman. Mm, mm. And, like, Rita, too. Rita's really interesting. Because Rita's had a much more colourful past than you might believe. Battle would not melt in her mouth now. No. But she was, you know, like we said uh, recently, having fights with people in, in nightclubs. And, yeah. ha- you know, having it off with married men. And mm. uh, Early Rita was brilliant. And, and, and being able to see the... The, the whole um, Rita and Mavis partnership in the shop was just brilliant because she was such a cow to Mavis, wasn't her. she? It's like workplace harassment. <laughs> it was, for because, comed- comedic effect. Yeah, because like, cause on- but honestly, you could see both sides because if you had to sit with Mavis in a, in a room from nine to five every day and she's there going, oh, I've done, I think I've done the wrong thing with the Mavis. Oh, I don't know how to work the new... And you um, tell it's really confusing. I think you would want to kill her. Yeah. But at the same time, Rita was just such such a mean girl. Yeah. Did you enjoy Mavis? And, and so, because there were some big characters that I knew about beforehand, like the Wiltons, like Alma, like Raquel, mm-hmm. but none of whom you had seen really before this rewatch. With the what did you think of those kind of characters? Because they were fresh to you. In a sense, I feel like they were set up a little bit by you to never really live up to (laughs) the expectations that I had. But I did really, really enjoy Mavis and Derek. I I found their courtship bizarre 
and fascinating. Yeah. And the one thing that we have to always remember about about Coronation Street that isn't necessarily apparent when you watch it, like we have done, is that there wasn't always a grand plan. There was never, there was never like a, a, from the start, the, the story of Mavis and Derek was that they would fanny around with each other for, for decades before. Literally, there was ten years, wasn't there? Of, yeah, fanning fanny about around is right. To, to sort of end up as this kind of, you know, I don't know. <sighs> a union of morons. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the the destination is never uh, guaranteed in Coronation Street. But, but when you watch some of these stories unfold in front of you, even if you know the ending, it feels like it was inevitable mm. sometimes. And so... It, it's difficult to see to see how it would have felt to have watched it originally, not knowing where any of this was going. And, you know, the writers and the directors, you know, with the best of them in the world, you can have a long-term plan, but you're not going to be the producer in, you know, four years' time. Mm. The actor might have health problems. They might leave. You know, you, you've got no idea where these things are going. So, really, in a way, it's a miracle that they had so many long-running sort of story arcs and characters and relationships. There definitely felt like there were a lot more and it was much more common for characters to be in a long-term relationship than they are these days. Like yeah. people dumping each other left, right and centre So, nowadays, for example, with Alma, I, always, I knew who she was going to turn into. Yeah. I don't know how I would have felt differently about her if I'd watched her from the very beginning because she came in and she was a bit of a, like, a rich, ditzy, sort of frivolous... You know, I'm only here because my husband owns the business. I, I don't really care about anybody. Yeah. And then she sort of developed into a very kind of caring and maternal figure, even though she never had any of her own children. And then I knew also that she had a tragic end to, you know, to her. And so watching her with Mike and seeing how he treated her and how heartbroken she was, it was it was it added an extra layer of tragedy to that story to know that she had a sad ending mm. and that um, her heart would be broken and then she would die before her time. Yeah. So I didn't see Alma in a way that um, you saw Alma mm. and in a way that somebody who watched it even earlier than you did would have seen Alma. Yeah. yeah so, so it's really interesting to sort of imagine, sort of think to yourself, how does a story change when you know the ending? Yeah. And Coronation Street's never written as though you will know the ending, but it is always consumed in retrospect in that manner. That's a really interesting point to make. Yeah, you're right. Um, just before we move on to, to other other character bits or maybe episode bits. Um, another but that's true. <coughs> that's true of any story. Yeah. Obviously. Another character that I kind of like to shout out that I was really fascinated to see the early days of was Blanche. And we knew Blanche as a completely different character to who she came in, in as the 70s. We, we knew her as old, <laughs> curmudgeonly, um, <laughs> basket you know, gaze. Yeah, say, say whatever she feels like, doesn't care who she's insulting kind of woman. And, and, and another Corrie icon for being this, this yeah, crotchety old woman. Uh, but the, the 1970s Blanche was so interesting and it was just fascinating to me seeing her as, as a younger woman being a mum to Deirdre, just, you know, running up corsets in the front lounge and everything. And there were def and there were real shades of late Blanche in her, even though I think her def definitely her golden era was late Blanche. But uh, that was one that I was looking forward to, to seeing before the rewatch and, and it certainly didn't disappoint and... Yeah, it's just it's just a really funny how seeing them in a in a different light now. Um, let let's move on to to episodes then. Um, I, I've kind of 
I've, I've, I've given you a bit of a task here and I've done the same thing because people might be thinking, oh, I, I like the idea of watching some of the older episodes, which ones should I watch? So I've kind of picked out a top five on the episodes oh, that I sorry. would... What? Yes. Uh, no, no, it's fine. Um, top five episodes. I scrolled down. Gemma scrolled down to. on my nose. I'm not supposed to. Top five episodes that I would recommend watching from each one from each decade or so. But I don't know whether they would hit the same way if you hadn't seen the surrounding episodes. But I, 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 we don't need to discuss these in mega detail or anything. But um, for the 1960s, I think probably my favourite one there, must-watch episode, was the 1969 Coach Crash. Um, we, we think we even did a Patreon episode, didn't we, about top five episodes from the 60s. And I, I thought of this one just this week when I was planning this. Then I went back and that was the one that I picked as my number one for the Patreon episode. But that being a little jolly out... Um, the, the last episode, a jolly, jolly outing, seeing all the characters in different situations, like Stan and Hilda on the boat, and they're just having a little dance and a sing song together. Some of them, the, the crash itself was well done. The whole um, side story of the police thinking, uh, or who was it, the coach company saying, oh, this, that coach shouldn't have gone out, and then this trying was to the catch episode them. where we began with like a crane shot inside a bus depot. Yeah, you think you might be right. And we had quite a lot of discussion. It felt like a bit like, you know, it felt a bit like a prototype of what Rescue 999 would end up being, where at the beginning you see a bunch of people innocently going about like some kind of dangerous task Mm. and you know that because you're watching this, the significance of it is that somebody's arm is going to fall off yeah. or something like that. Um, in the 19... Uh, do you want to... What, what, well, have you got I, a 1960s episode that you're going to recommend? I really enjoyed, and I always go on about this episode, <laughs> I know what you're say. the one where um, Ida Barlow dies, dies yeah. uh, Ken's mother who is knocked over by a bus and you don't know what's happening and you you know she's missing and you don't know what's happening and you sort of cut to... Again, it's weird because it's similar to your one where you cut to characters that aren't actually in Coronation mm. Street mm. discussing so you go you cut to the uh, police station where they're discussing you know oh we found this this woman's been killed and here's her scarf and her, her handbag and everything yeah yeah so that's really interesting but I also really enjoyed the episode which was um, the uh, Tanner wedding Dennis Ta- Dennis and Dennis, um, Dennis Tanner that on the barge going down the, oh. the canal with all the lads from the show um, wearing his silly little nautical sailor boy shorts. Oh no, that wasn't that wasn't the wedding episode. That, that was, was the that, that was, was the, the, um, the hen do and the stag do. Yeah, because that, that was when they went to the hall, wasn't they went the women to, went to the hall. They went the to men. whatever that big stately home is called. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, and the, 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 the lads went on the, the, the barge yeah. and that barge is still actually, as far as I remember, a couple of years ago in action somewhere yeah. in the UK. Um, that was really good fun. Again, it felt like a jolly holiday episode. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, and I love Dennis's actual wedding episode as well. That was a very special yeah. I was one. talking about um, the, the, yeah, the yeah. One a bit before. Um, in the seventies, I picked Stan and Hilda's second honeymoon, um, and I think oh, I must have classic. watched that one before on the fifties, but gold DVD set. But being able to see it after watching, you know, a decade and a half or so of Stan and Hilda build up on the show, it made it even more special to me. And they're like one of my one of, if not my favourite, couples on Coronation Street ever. That was so so perfectly romantic and stands as one and watch the TV and Hilda, who's lived this rubbish life where everything goes wrong up to now, finally being able to get this luxury 
um, hotel away and, and he's just yeah just there watching the telly and, and then you get the woman Stanley woman which is one of the most famous Coronation Street quotes ever and I love like at the end of the episode she's there kind of singing away to herself about being in a posh hotel it was just so heartwarmingly lovely um, that's that's my pick for the 70s what about you? I really liked the what's his Joe Joe Donnelly Joe Donnelly coming that was awesome uh, holding Irma hostage and um yeah, that was really creepy because that was after they'd been in colour and then they went in black and white again and that really that helped. That was around for, Christmas. Yeah, it was, it was so, a noir sort of effect. Joe Donnelly was a sort of a soldier friend of um, Steve Tanner who had died mm. and it was him that murdered him yeah, and nobody knew. And so he goes crazy and he comes to the street and he ends up holding Minnie and Bobby hostage and then Stan comes along and... Um, he holds a gun to Stan's head, doesn't he? Yeah, and he makes and him sing, makes him Silent, sing Silent, Night. Silent Night. And that it cuts was... away from the action. And we hear Stan singing that song. But yeah. then Joe Donnelly so um, kills himself. And it was just horrific and dramatic and shocking because Coronation Street hadn't done anything. No, that mm. felt like mo- modern Corrie, didn't yeah. it? It really, really did. But with Stan's such a beloved character, that that was brilliant. And Minnie as well. I adored that one as well. Um, my number, my, my 80s episode pick is the uh, the Mike at the Door episode. It, it feels so cliche to, to say it, but the, when... when when uh, Mike comes round number one to, to get Deirdre and Ken pushes over against the door. The, the series of episodes we watched up to there was just spectacular, but the dialogue between between Ken and Deirdre, where he's kind of sh- shouting at her and saying, oh, you, you, why are you going out with a spiv like Baldwin? And uh, is it because I'm boring? And I don't even know if it was that episode, but that, that kind of little pocket of episodes was, was my 80s pick. Did you, uh, what have you got? I think I think one of the episodes that I feel like epitomises Coronation Street in that era was Stan and Hilda's Ruby wedding party, where at the end it we find out oh, yeah, that Len. Len had died um, in a car crash, and it felt like it kind of set the sort of the benchmark for Coronation Street loving to do this. Here's everyone at party, and it's somebody being told horrible news yeah. or some kind of tragic event that's unfolding, unbeknownst to the sort of revelers who are, don't have a care in the world. So mm. I really like that. We also had um, had Rita singing and yeah. uh, the, the Eddie going off with with Marion. Oh, Eddie and Marion were lovely. Everything was they? a bit soppy and sentimental, yeah. and again, it felt. Um, it, also felt like a very quaint and nostalgic view into what it was like to be British and working class Mm. in that era, you know, having your Ruby wedding party at the Rovers in this room that doesn't Doesn't exist. exist, Um, Everybody doing speeches and having a drink and eating sandwiches with crests on the top and that Mm. kind of thing. Mm. I thought I just really enjoyed that. My 90s pick is Curly and Raquel's wedding and and you, if if I, if I was hard pushed to name one of my favourite episodes of my favourite episodes of Coronation Street ever, this would certainly be up for up for um, consideration. Um, it was the first ever purposefully written hour long episode of Coronation Street, and it was the one that kind of spanned over the course of a few days, and you got. Raquel being kicked out by Dares, going to Curly saying, marry me. He, after everything, all the build-up for the for a few years beforehand, like, are they going to get engaged? Oh, no, they do get engaged, and then Des steals her offer. But the actual episode itself, and, and the, the seeing the tragedy of Raquel marrying Curly, 
well, settling for him, if you like, Curly realising because somebody, some woman has told him that he's, she's heard Somebody Raquel crying, crying yeah. in the toilets, but going through with it anyway, it was it was both beautiful, but also utterly heartbreaking. And and I just watched that episode totally enraptured. That was that was absolutely Corey gold. I the the Raquel and Curly story, I I, I love from start to finish. And I know I was a bit down on Curly earlier, but um, I, that that was so so good. What do, what did you like from the nineties? I think probably one of the ones I would like to point out from that from that decade was one I think has got really forgotten and it's funny that Ken doesn't really bring it up but the one where he had sort of felt like it was the end for him and he, he didn't want to go on and he was contemplating suicide and yeah. Bet comes and rescues him. That was so good. And it was funny because Bet and Ken weren't friends, they didn't really like each other I don't think there wasn't really much in the way of a relationship between the two of them. Yeah, I think but you're right. there was this kind of recognition of common humanity that kind of really made Bet into such a a wonderful character. Like she she could sort of laser in on this person needs my help, and it doesn't matter who he mm. is. Yeah, again, the dialogue there between between Bet and, and Ken was brilliant, and they got the the tone of it just right. That that was something that was mentioned in the show. Was it just last year when Peter mm, yeah. was trying to drink himself to death and, and Ken made reference to the fact yeah. but that that is a lesser remembered Corey Gold one because that, that I mean so some of the episodes that we're talking about already is like, yeah, everyone's gonna say that as a Corey great. But that one really it struck like me it, by its brilliance. I really feel like people don't remember that this ever happened and Ken and and um, Bet are like two of the biggest characters that have ever been on the show. And just this, and I thought it was really, it was such an English reaction too, because they both kind of, well, she she basically refused to to acknowledge that it ever happened, mm. and they both carried on as if this this yeah. very life changing event had not touched both of them in a in a really significant way. Yeah, I mean, we, we, Bet's a character that we've not talked about too much this evening, anyway. But I have many times on the podcast before. I think back. Before I'd watched the old episodes, I thought that she was just a bit of a tarty barmaid and a very iconic, vivacious, much-loved tarty barmaid, but wasn't much more than that. And being able to see... She was a revelation 30 to ...30-odd years of her showed that she was such a, a deep She really character, was. Wasn't and she? I, she was superb, absolutely brilliant. Also, never had seen her in it apart from her disastrous return, mm. which unfortunately gave me a very poor impression of her. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I didn't really get hype. I knew that there was hype. I didn't understand. It didn't feel justified to me based on what she was like when she came back. Mm. And I think that the writing kind of made her into a parody of herself. Yeah. But from watching her from the very beginning, you know, and, and all the, the highs and lows that she had and her very humble start, you know, all the way back from being a, a you know, working in a factory to you know, living in that little bed sit and just trying to land a man all the time. And then, you know, her really funny interactions with Fred G and, and Annie Walker and stuff. And then turning into a very important figure in the Rovers with Alec and then, you know, sort of... Lead, leading the Rovers on its own after Alec yeah. disappears and it, off. You know, in a sense, she's kind of like the Titanic of Coronation Street, this big, brash, kind of unsinkable ship that mm. eventually hits an iceberg and is never, <laughs> basically never, never really 
Yeah, yeah. She, just was, heads for disaster. She she kind of in the most tragic manner. She earned her stripes grow, um, working for Annie Walker, mm. hadn't she? And I think when she was left alone in the Rovers, she was it was almost a case of what well, Annie carried on when when Jack died, and I'm going to flip and well carry on as well. That Rovers are so important to her, and um, she's such an iconic figure in you know in English yeah, in the in same way in the same way that um, Elsie Tanner was. For that generation of people, you know, being mm. on the cover of the Smiths and and kind of um, inspiring people's fashion, you know, I don't think anybody was kind of trying to emulate that particularly, but she's certainly, you know, she's got this kind of drag queen look about her, doesn't she, with her leopard and a, a cigarette in a holder, and she's so camp and such a very uh, unique visual appearance, and she never started off like that. No. I don't think there was ever any intention of her turning into a bit of a caricature and a bit of a, um, you know, a, a cult icon. But the war, this is, again, one of the things that I think that people overlook is the importance of props and, and uh, wardrobe to some, to, to, to some characters. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, my 2000s episode pick was the uh, Norman Bates with a briefcase showdown between Gail and, and Richard. And by the time we were watching the 2000s episodes, I think both of us, particularly you, I'm sure you'll agree, were a bit like, oh, okay. It, you, you, we weren't as into it as we were before, partly because we'd, we'd seen the episodes before, partly it didn't have the whole kind of social history aspect going on. There were a variety of reasons why we dropped off a little bit towards the end, but but some of the episodes, particularly you know, those ones, and also the Tracy and Charlie um, yeah, those were really those were those me. were just as compelling as as they were the first time round. But yeah, this again, it was a two hander almost, wasn't it, between yeah. Gail and Richard, where she discovers um, what exactly he's been up to, and then you get lines <laughs> like, "How could it be an accident? You hit her on the head with a crowbar or something?" Really like that. funny. It was just brilliant. It, it was so good. I love it. It was so dark, and, and there were like one or two scenes of David and Sarah Louise upstairs, weren't there, listening in? But that was that was brilliant. I don't know what decade it was. Was it this decade where there was the story with um, Sarah being conned online? By yeah, yeah, that was, that was 2000. That was that something was very, very that really good. stuck in me and it really was partly down to the music at the end. Mm. Um, that felt like a little mini film, didn't it? Because I think yes. that was another episode, I might be wrong, but I don't think I am, that was just dedicated to that story and, and, and Sarah starting the episode going to this yeah, it internet was. It stalker's was very house, cinematic. Candice leaving her to it and then as the episode goes on it kind of dawns on her that he's a massive creep and then there's like the chase around the house, the fact that it was filmed inside an actual house rather than a set, it just made it feel very... Um, high production value sort of episode and then yeah it ended on the music and a crane shot it was shot Teardrop the end, by Massive Attack which yeah. is quite a poignant song anyway mm. and I think Coronation Street went through a phase in this era of using pop songs maybe more than was advisable but um, definitely for Carla too quite a lot of episodes with Carla in them ended with her sitting sadly somewhere listening to some kind of very poignant mm. pop song that has been yeah they, they did the same thing at the beginning of the episode when um, it was Sarah and Jason's wedding and David was in the car he'd driven off to some you know, wasteland somewhere or down wherever I can't remember and he was listening to some some moody music in it and it set the tone for a brilliant episode that we you know, just talked about very very recently so you I know what again. that would be a good patron episode top five times a music has been like pop music or a, or a song has been used yeah i wonder how often it had happened well i mean they use them for the um 
for the uh, you know Christmas ones, we have a montage. Mm. They like doing that. But the... There were times when there wasn't pop music, but it was music. That a few every so often in the sixties, they'd have little scenes. When Elsie got married to Alan, yeah, we had a bizarrely prolonged. Like it looked like a music video, like a prototype for a music video. As they wandered through some botanical gardens, sort of admiring blossoms on trees and, and yeah. things, as some kind of bizarre harp music was it? Or... It was no, it was like Spanish yeah, flamenco guitar, music. Yeah, guitar music. Yeah. And then she turns up later with a cowboy hat on. Mm. It was very funny. They also, there was also like the, the Blackpool episode from was it sixty three? Yeah. I can't remember where they went, and it had "I do like to be beside the seaside." And while, it was a bit like well, the just yeah, yeah, because there was no there Montage. was no audio they recorded record, in Blackpool. They couldn't record it there because no. of the limitations of technology. Yeah, so they played it with the with the tinkling of the of the uh, the old piano. It reminded me of in Austin Powers where they go to Las Vegas. And they're driving in the car. No, they're walking along or something. And all these, like, Las Vegas icons are going past them. And they're both pointing in wonder yeah. at all of them, like, wow, look at that. It was kind of like that, wasn't it? And there was one. I can't, I can't remember what the episode was. They had Stan driving around the streets in a car or something. And they, they all went off on a little drive around Weatherfield. I don't remember that. I don't remember whether it was tied into his ice cream story. Do you remember that one? There was an episode that where he has a showdown with another with a, with a big... Beefy female uh, ice cream <laughs> lady. Oh, that was great. So many hijinks. Um, I have got another couple of, of extra picks, um, like lesser known gems or, yeah, or just fun ones to watch. But uh, Emily's Mannequin Parade, if you listen to the podcast long enough, you know we absolutely absolutely adore that. Again, but I just want to point out... Watch it. Nobody talks listen, about it apart from us. A lot of these... A lot of these will probably not live up to the hype because the reason that some of these are so beloved of Michael and I is that we watched them with no expectation of what was going to happen. And so the mannequin parade was completely hilarious. And if you want to understand, if there's one episode that I could recommend to you to understand the character of Emily Bishop and why she was such an enduring figure and why she's certainly not exactly this person that you think she is if you only ever saw her in her elder years I would recommend watching that mm. episode but there, but, but there are others for Emily as well like the episode where she jilts Leonard Swinley the episode where Arnold Swain tries to coerce her into her going into some kind of crazy suicide the episode pact. where the man who killed Ernest tries to ask for her forgiveness and she's oh like I shan't I will not the episode even... where she's going out with that, that bishop um, Bernard was his bishop? name not bishop sorry the vicar the local vicar and, and he and rejects her. He rejects her because he finds out from Percy that she'd had mental health issues. Yeah. And she was so good. I Yeah, oh, Emily Bishop. Oh, she's a, well, oh there's I've another really episode have. I was just thinking of. I can't remember. Emily Effertree? No. Oh, so speaking of Mannequin Parade as well, another character that I can't believe we've gone over an hour and not mentioned yet as a, as a revelation to us is Irma Ogden. Irma Ogden is probably one of my favourite characters. Uh, her... I had... She's her just she, if you want to talk about a character that is not remembered me. at all, yep. nobody ever talks she about apart so from real diehard fans. It's Alma Ogden. Alma she Ogden does not get the credit she deserves. Really was. She was she had Liverpudlian accent, mm. she was sarcastic, she was dry, she was glamorous, she was pretty. She was a wag because she married David Barlow, who was a footballer. Then she went to Australia and her whole family died in a car crash. And she was also in Ogden. Yeah. She really is, honestly. She feels like the recipe for the for a beloved Coronation Street yeah. character. But because she, the act, I think it's because the actress left under a cloud. And I think <laughs> Coronation Street has this unfortunate, um, cliquey kind of... Um, Rep- not reputation, just like history of 
closing ranks on people who don't fit in with the current Mm. Well, Sandra Goff has, has spoken about, you know, she she felt that she had to leave. She couldn't. Well, she said, um, was told that yeah, she couldn't leave. She couldn't take she time off, so she just went. Yeah, yeah. It's she the same real... way, that I, and I don't know the full story of this, but it's always annoyed me in the same way that for many, many, many years, the credits said, based on an idea from Tony Warren, which is not what Coronation Street is. It's not based on an idea, like he came up with an idea to have a 60-year-long soap. <laughs> I think that there was some kind of animosity in the background there somewhere. I don't and know. And then it changed, didn't it, yeah, to created by created Tony by Warren. Now, Warren. Yeah, yeah. And they, those two different ways of describing his contribution to the show make me think that it can get quite cliquey sometimes. I, I really do think I so. I wonder, yeah. I do. Go, going back to what we were saying Well, about... because one of the things that always strikes me that we don't really appreciate as viewers is the way that actors will sometimes credit the producer who, who introduced their character mm. and sort of revere them and, and re- re- talk about them in very kind of Yeah, we appreciative had that recently with, with Colin McIntyre, didn't well, we, and Janet Berry. Co- well, he no, she was a writer, no, no, yeah, writer, and it was um, Kate Oates who was the producer at the time who introduced his character. But you know, there are definitely loyalties and factions that we'll never fully understand, and I don't really particularly want to know. No, some to things be are better off not knowing. Um, so don't want to take the shine off of it, but yeah. it's really interesting. And I think if I watching the episodes of Coronation Street has been a revelation to me, but if I am gonna sort of move forward in my Coronation Street kind of podcasting expertise career I think the next thing I really need to do is to read some of the books behind the scenes to understand what was going on in the you know the writers room and the production staff and what they were thinking and how they were reacting to things and how they treated the actors and the actresses and what they were trying to how they were trying to steer the program through different you know uh threats that they had you know viewing figures and rival soaps and all that kind of stuff. Mm. I, that's probably my next goal. Yeah. To try to understand the show in a, in a different and unique way. Because this is the thing about Coronation Street is there's so many different stories being told all at once. There's the character stories, which is the most basic and simple thing. And then there's the social history of what Coronation Street is trying to tell us as viewers about ourselves and about the society that we live in and the things that they're subconsciously saying without realising just as a result of the, the world that they're in and also the production of the show and how that was being uh, how that changes in reaction to the external forces that everybody's under as they're making making the programme mm-hmm. yeah yeah totally <laughs> um, <going> totally on... <laughs> I, I, I agree yeah, with everything you said I think you said it a million times better than I ever could um, going back to what we were saying about Irma, it is a shame that she's been forgotten because when you think about Stan and Hilda, often you just think about Stan and Hilda, yeah, but actually they had some great trios. At first it was Stan, Hilda and Irma, and yeah. then later it was Stan, Hilda and Eddie, yeah. and they were so brilliant together, weren't they? Yeah. Um, and sometimes introducing a, a new character into the mix doesn't always work, but in this case, um, three really was magic number if you like for those definitely it's it's such a shame how um has been been forgotten yeah um a a couple more episodes that i'm going to recommend um some of the ones you've already said like the jordanelli hostage um, episode the what is this this come under Uh, lesser known gems for me i've I've called these Uh, ken um, didn't kill himself just the same way that he didn't uh, die from falling down the stairs um gypsy saga 
Mm. That was really fascinating, wasn't it? We that watched was the a couple word of that episodes. was used at the time in the show. Yeah, where, where these uh, this travelling community moved in near to the street and there was an all different reactions from the people and some people accepted them that you didn't think would like Ina Sharples I think was a bit live and let live and other people were very, very judgmental judgmental and, and very, and very open scared in their, as well yeah very open in their disdain like Len, Len was very suspicious and hostile yeah and again it was it's a social history thing it's not just a story because you know the story of the travelling community and how they um, interact with uh, the rest of the people that live in this country is very fraught but also Manchester at the time was and Salford were undergoing lots of um, uh, urban renewal and uh, you know there were vast swathes of the city that were being knocked down and uh, there were big areas of like derelict houses and empty empty building sites and that's what they ended up moving into wasn't it mm. they they moved into a massive kind of yeah. empty space that had yeah. been left by this continual reconstruction of yeah. the city that, that that was very much an issue story before you think that Corrie actually has issue stories and it, it was honest and um and and comfortable because some of the characters that you were led to believe were very progressive or no not progressive but you, you the characters you were supposed to like and champion were saying things very, that very as a modern viewer were thinking oh racist and inappropriate yeah but that's real life this is what people are you know some people you, you will disappoint you or surprise you with their reactions to people and yeah. that, that's just how it is yeah yeah so i really enjoyed that too because it it kind of um yeah, like you said, I was surprised at how progressive it was, considering it was the 70s, the 60s, yeah. and 70s. I don't think that anybody was sitting in the writer's room going, we must make sure that everybody knows that we um, have this opinion because it's the right thing to do and everybody's going to applaud us for saying you know, and doing and thinking the right thing about this group, this minority group. Nobody was thinking that, but mm. they managed to produce a story... Well, maybe they were, but they managed to produce a story that was nuanced yeah. and interesting and not just what I think Coronation Street does now, which is you kind of get told how to think about something. Mm. Um, couple more just to finish off that I've, uh, of this, this bit of the podcast, um, Blue John Mines episode, which is what I'd heard a lot about because that was Roy Barraclough who later goes on to play Alec Gilroy. That was his first appearance in the program, wasn't it? As a tour guide. Yeah. And I was thought, Oh, going off on a trip, Blue John, what's that? I'd never heard of it. But the actual episode itself was lovely. So some of those early outing episodes, like, like the, the tram crash, like the Blackpool episodes were just lovely. And, and that was also an episode, like an early episode that really, really got me shipping if you like uh david and and Irma because they were just so sweet and lovely together and he proposes to her on the bus at the end doesn't he it was so unglamorous but so sweet yeah. because they spent quite a lot of the time while everybody else was having a tour of the mines around on the hills yeah having a picnic so, it's just sweet and lovely and innocent i don't know if people because we didn't know what blue john was but it's a sort of mineral that is very incredibly rare there's yeah. only a few seams of it left in the country and it's one of like, which belongs to you i bought you a what did I buy you? Earrings. So you didn't buy me a seam of it though, did you? I bought you a little little bit of earring. And there, I think that there are some in China, but it's really only mm. like three mines in the whole of the country. Yeah. Yeah, which, which, which you can still visit to And they day. filmed that at Speedwell Caverns, which is, you can That's go where visit. we went a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, Annie's car in the lake was a fun... Uh, this is just kind of ones that are fun to watch where... Um, was it Fred G takes he wants to take Bet out for a drive doesn't he because he wants to be a bit leery with her and a bit he wants to be handsy yeah and then Bet invites Betty along and he kind of has to has to go along with it and and then you know one thing leads to another and and they're they're sitting in Annie Walker's 
posh car a rover in the middle of the lake that was hilarious um the vince and claire episode where vera uncovers that jack's gone to a dating agency under the name of vincent claire and she dresses up as carol monroe to try and trick him um that was hilarious and that this, this that's one of my favorite comedy comedy scenes ever where she where he goes and finds her in the pub and she's like hey it's a pleasure to meet you Absolutely love it. And uh, also... And then he... She chases him out as everybody in the Rovers goes, Hooray! Domestic violence! Yeah, she, and he's like, you're, And you're not a widow either, are you? And she says, No, but I will be ten minutes after I get you home. <laughs> yeah. Jack and Vera. I, 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 oh. I thought they were... You, you didn't get into them as much, did you? I think there were some scenes that were really good. Like, there was one... I remember there being a bit of a turning point for you with Jack and Vera where um, she kind of... Like she's she's hugging him close and saying like I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna kill you if you stray again or something and he's got this look of fear in his eyes and um... it was it was interesting to me because I only really knew them as the old couple yeah. who were sort of uh, felt very similar to my grandparents' relationship whereby they basically only barely tolerated each other but you knew they must have loved each other somehow otherwise where did your dad come from. Mm. <laughs> and so they were always getting off and just having having off they, with someone else weren't they I found it, it quite like. difficult to yeah warm to them because they were just horrible to each other for a lot of the time yeah and it, and also they came on the heels of Stan and Hilda who I and I felt like Jack and Vera were the replacement Stan and Hilda yeah there was a bit of overlap but and but. I don't know whether they captured the but again even watching Stan and Hilda in their early days too there was so much dysfunction and really tragic domestic abuse oh, yeah. going on gives her a black eye in one episode doesn't he because she hasn't hasn't paid the and it uh, was bought the pool's ticket or something and it's be romantic and uh, funny and yeah but relatable was, I can't remember whose episode <laughs> that it was, was the scariest but, bit that like, like, it was supposed to be relatable what was the wedding where Stan advises the groom it was Irma wasn't it Irma was it Irma, Irma getting married to David and he tells David if they mess you around you belt them and everyone laughs yeah it's so bad it's so bad um, my last episode which is just a fun one to watch is the waterbed episode and that's another you know oft cited episode of classic Corrie comedy a bit if you absolutely hate Reg Holdsworth, then um, you're not going to enjoy that one. But um, <laughs> I was laughing so much at that their antics in bed with him and Alma, and it was just slapstick Corey comedy at, at his finest, in in my opinion. And and you had to you you were you were laughing away at that as well. Though I think you were feeling ashamed of yourself for doing so at the time. If you say so. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing about you know the shifting values that you can observe being displayed unconsciously by the characters, by by the way the show is is telling stories Mm. i don't think that they meant to reveal quite so much about what british values were and how they changed and and what was important and what wasn't but they did you know the fact that it was funny and not at all horrific that stan recommended that his son-in-law beat his daughter if she gets out of line yeah you know the way that women were treated in general in the show the way that um some people had to fight, you know. Uh, but but still, there are other things that are surprising to me and, and, and affecting in a way because it shows that values are intrinsic sometimes and passed down in, in, in mental health. You wouldn't think that Coronation Street was always an advocate for mental health, but I think that they were quite sensitive about it at times. Mm. And Yeah, I mean, uh, even things like when that Sheila Bertel suicide episode, uh, they, they did have 
mental health stories. Well, talking stories, about Ken, but... you know, wanting to, to end things. And, yeah. and to, even um, all the way back to Christine Hardman, who... Oh, gosh, that was another classic episode, wasn't that, Up on the Road? Yeah, who, who was like, I, I don't see what the point of my life is anymore. Yeah. And she kind of eventually triumphs and leaves, you know, to, for a better, a better world. Mm. Um, I wouldn't have said that we, you know, as a society, we've always been very good or sensitive about mental health issues and how to talk about them. But when you look back at Coronation Street, I, I don't feel like you can really condemn them that much. Yeah. For that particularly, but other things you definitely can. Like how much did they contribute to this idea that you know women should be bad about? Mm. Uh, and it was funny if you hit your wife. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I know. and how much have they contributed to the idea that women are the domestic, you know, servants of the household? And even now you've got the joke that we have about how Kevin sees Abby as basically, <laughs> you know, his laundry laundry assistant. service. Yeah, yeah, I know. But but those are the reflections of our values as a people reflected in, in the t- in the television screen. Mm. And if you don't like what you see, then it feels like you have a bit of a responsibility to call it out and discuss why it is that it's not right. Yeah, yeah. So in that way, Coronation Street is kind of useful as a mirror. Mm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Do you? Mm. I do. Yeah, yes. Is I... it worth? Was it worth watching them all then? What do, do you reckon? You... I think so. I'm glad we did like it. I feel like I know a more massive than undertaking. I did. <laughs> I, it, it it would have felt wrong for us to carry, you know, to move into our second decade as a Coronation Street podcast, which we will be doing very shortly, um, without actually having watched some of the early episodes. And as I said earlier, I'm very very keen to go watch them. Uh, go back and watch some earlier ones from the 60s and 70s because we, we especially during the 60s, we just stuck to the DVDs. Um, I it, think the only thing I can see that's a negative of what we've done is that um, we I, I definitely viewed myself very much as um, a proxy for people listening who didn't know a lot about Coronation Street. So sometimes I would know to ask a question about something or point out something that maybe you didn't really know would be a question because you'd seen it for longer and you knew mm. the histories of the characters more. Whereas now I feel like we've kind of lost our way a little bit with get being in touch with people who've maybe only just started watching it. Yeah, I, I guess. Know. I guess on the podcast sometimes we can make drop more frequent references about things, to things. And I don't know if that alienates people. Yeah, I worry that it does. Watched. I I do as well sometimes to be honest, but. Yeah. The, the the podcast is always I wanted it, it, it when we started it it was let's talk about what Coronation Street is like now but I think it's natural to go back and, and go back to its history and I, I don't want to feel like we're alienating people and some of the character profiles we do is to in a way to help people to understand what some of the characters were like in the old days definitely but I would anybody who if, if you've got an interest in Coronation Street now if anyone was to say should I go back and watch some of those earlier episodes I would say Absolutely yes, because as we said earlier, we were a, a little bit sceptical as to whether we'd like some of the some of the very early ones, and ab- uh, ended up absolutely loving them. There is a lot on YouTube out there already. If you've got a BritBox subscription, there's a lot of classic episodes there. Um, that you know, that, that it was give it a try. Watch those first seven episodes in the in the six, really 1960, think... and I challenge you not to be hooked. I really think if you if you want to do one thing for yourself as a Coronation Street fan it should be watch those first 
10 mm. episodes that were commissioned yeah. because they work so well. And if you ever wondered, you know, if it, sometimes it feels like a bit of a fluke and a bit, you know, like being in the right place at the right time kind of a thing that Tony Warren managed to capture the imaginations of the whole country and maybe even the world with his sort of stories. But actually he was incredibly um, insightful and very, very clever. And the scripts are very tight and really intriguing and everything was was sort of well thought out because he had the luxury of time and he could you know create this world mm. and I, I think sometimes there's a bit of a treadmill with Coronation Street and it feels like that it's more difficult to do that but it was it was so tightly scripted and everything was part of a story or part of a character moment to establish who these people were and it was so well observed too yeah yeah it um, wasn't a, it wasn't a fluke it wasn't um luck it wasn't just being in the right place at the right time he really was genuinely very very talented mm. and he and, knowing what and people he, were like and it wasn't just that he was talented it's that he wrote what he knew yeah yeah and he and he won he you know it's magic what mm. he created would you i mean is is that the episode if somebody was to say like you know i've only been watching Corey for you know let's say 10 years so i've got 50 years to go back on that seems like quite a, a challenge are there any particular era that you would recommend going to first because i i don't know whether i would i think i would say you know don't start with the 2000s especially the second half of the 2000s because although there are some great episodes in there it felt like they were far fewer and far between to get to the absolute greats i'm gonna say one thing about that is is that because it's recent it feels more dated in a very perverse and um uh unlogical way yeah. It feels more dated because it's more recent. It feels so, like old modern Corrie, whereas the you old, know, old everybody's stuff wearing feels strange clothes. Whereas when you go back to watch the eighties, you, you're prepared for people to have shoulder pads yeah. and be listening to Madonna and Wham or whatever. <laughs> whereas when you go back to sort of the early two thousands, it's quite shocking actually how dated and old it feels in comparison to modern Coronation Street even though if you were to ask me when was 2001 I'd say it was a couple of years ago <laughs> I, I think that I mean, some of my favourite areas I think that the first half of the 90s were, were very strong um, with all the better buys stuff with Curly and Raquel with Davis and uh, Davis, I love Davis Derek, Derek and Mavis <laughs> with, with Bet ruling the roost at the Rovers I really enjoyed that for uh, as a, as a favourite era some of the early to mid 80s stuff maybe with um with, with where you had uh bet and jack and betty as a trio behind the bar was was a that lot was of fun. really i think <clears throat> those um i think annie i think have annie bet and fred and betty behind the bar was the ultimate coronation street rovers team yeah, I, I agree. I think they were just... If you want to see the prototype or the the blueprint by which all other um, Rovers teams should be judged, it's that, mm. in my opinion. And I, I'd also say for recommendations, if you just want to ha like dip in and out and see little bits, then 60s and 70s is not a ba bad place to start because there were more individual standalone episodes. There were fewer characters. It was easier to just jump in and immediately get what was going on. Whereas if you were to look at anything, particularly from the 80s onwards, you kind of had to know a bit about what came before. It's helpful to know where this leads to because it feels like it's yeah part of a, a thread rather than just something a bit more standalone. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'd say is my favourite era, but they're all they're all better for, for different reasons, aren't they? And um, 
you know, and what's next for us is, I guess, moving on and, and finding a few new favourites from the 60s and 70s. I, I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, just, uh, just before we finish, we, we had a, we, I, I got a message from, uh, from listener John recently and I, I, I don't want to spend too long on this because I think we've kind of already answered the question because he, he, he knew that we'd finished watching them and, and he's asked us a few questions about it but like he says how do how do we feel that cory compares creatively and of the zeitgeist now compared to how relatable it was then well one thing i would say is that we can't really answer that question too well because we can only look back on the the, the eras before you we were born mm. with you know yeah without perspective of what it was like to be how relatable would I have thought Coronation Street was in 1961? I do not know, because I wasn't alive. I can't tell you. But watching it, it feels very authentic to me. Yeah, whereas... I mean, but, but a lot of today's Cory also feels authentic, but I suppose there is a more these days that's a bit more a bit more out there. I think sometimes we forget, though, that Coronation Street always was a bit glamorous and a bit... I know it sounds stupid to say, but it really was... People looked up to these characters and they wanted to emulate them. And, you know, the thing that makes me realise that was true is how out of control Elsie Tanner's wardrobe got. Because Pat Phoenix became a very much, you know, celebrity of the time. Very much spoken about, very glamorous, um, sexiest thing on TV. And, and she had to be reined in to control Elsie Tanner's wardrobe because she used to buy a lot of the pieces herself and mm. she wanted to sort of make her character as glamorous as she perceived herself to be. And so, you know, that makes me realise that actually even back in those days when everything looks quite, you know, down at heel, it wasn't. People were very glamorous and they were putting their best foot forward and everybody looked amazing. Because mm. yeah. that's kind of, I think that's, you know, people put on a front. I think people put on more of a front back in those days than they do now. You would not catch Ina Sharples going down Tesco in her pajamas. <laughs> Whereas I think, you know, anyone on Coronation Street would go to Freshgoes. Yeah, <laughs> wearing right. their PJs right. now. Um, John also wanted to know about um, whether there were more issues-based storylines. Were there? He says, well, was the show as deep and invested in the issues-based stories of the times, or in your opinion, was it the character-led plots and relationship, community, comedy, everyday scenario-based? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, We've it was. spoken about that, hasn't and, it? And, and, and when big events happened, were they so far apart that they felt bigger? I suppose that was a bit difficult to judge. It's easier to know if you've watched a whole load of them. I mean, we, we've spoken very highly of the 60s and 70s episodes, but we have only seen the cherry-picked episodes. Yeah. Maybe the ones That's in between were a little duller. I don't know. And, and we saw... Yeah, I mean, when they had the, the train crashing through the viaduct, when they had the tram crash, when they had the, the rovers fire in the 80s or the, or the lorry crashing into the rovers and, and crashing Tracy nearly, um, that, that, did, that was... It wasn't as big... In some ways, it was as big as the big ones are now, especially the train crash. I think they did; they had they had excellent production values for the time. But well, you're always pushing the envelope, aren't you? That's the problem yeah. about Coronation Street, and unfortunately, it's a victim of its own success in that way. You're always going to compare to things that that happened, that have already happened. Um, and, and he also wants to know about whether audience expectations are a lot less than than they are now, and is two episodes of the week beneficial pacing wise. That's we don't know because we, we never know. watched it in that way. We never sat down and watched two episodes a week. No. And it would be very interesting to kind of try to recreate that. 
Mm. Um, I mean, he says were the episodes too were they were the stories dragged out in earlier decades. And one thing that that strikes me is a. Uh, Definitely not. Is is uh, I've referenced it a few times already. The Ken Deirdre Mike Love Triangle that was kind of over and done in a way. In I think about three months, it started around Christmas time, and then it was around March time when it all came out. And yes, the the the, the ramifications of that and the and the fallout of that kept kept on going for the next couple of decades in a way. But. but didn't it feel a bit like the timescales were a bit more realistic and normal than they are now? Yes, because these days it literally does feel like there are three days in a week, whereas back then we were led to believe that days had passed between the episodes. But also, you know, now we have... I'm going to live in Spain by by in mm. a week. I don't know. I don't remember there ever being... A story. I, I, I'm it, not sure. Difficult to difficult, difficult to say to without say. being able to see them in real time. But anyway, that that was kind of it from from John. But I, I think as the as the discussion. Hopefully, has... John feels like we've answered a lot of these. Yeah. Um, but I'm we... really into, I'm really glad you read this out and that John wrote it in because it shows me that we were kind of on the right track mm. when we were talking about some of the things earlier. Yeah. And and definitely, I would say character based versus story based is how Coronation Street. The biggest shift in Coronation Street is those two things. Mm from character-driven stories in the early days to story-driven yeah. stories And, and wanting to have the issues and making and a big show of it. Because the cast is so big, it feels like it's easier for them to select somebody and say, this is this character's going to do this story. Mm. Whereas I don't think they're... they're yeah, it's you're right. Who would be the perfect fit for this story? You couldn't do that when there's only no. you know, 12 people on the cast, could <laughs> you? It's what would this what would this character be? What they're going to do now? Yeah, yeah. I don't think Coronation Street does think that. I don't. I don't. I don't know how they. I don't know how they come up with their stories now. But I don't think they sit down and go, "What's new with Carla? What's Carla going to be doing now?" I think they say, "Oh, we got juicy. We want to do this. I want to do that." I I think. I think they would, and I think that some of the storyliners and story producers and everything would absolutely say that characters are still just as important now as they were back then. Um, But I, I think. That there is also well, there's more they've of got them. to have the big stories. Just be- they just have to because it's that, uh, and in just some ways that does sheer come numbers. First. Just through sheer numbers, it can't be that the characters are more important because there are more characters. Mm. You can't have t- you can't have eighty people being equally as important as twelve character twelve people were no. back in the day. Yeah. And I, again, I don't want to criticise Coronation Street and and say that I think it's wrong or bad that this is how they do a story now. And and in many ways, it's it's the only way they can tell they can make Coronation Street is to focus on stories and what do we want to what do we want to say what do we yeah. want to do how do we what's the long term plan what's going to catch people it's not it's what's going to make people watch mm. you know nobody's gonna nobody's gonna be asked to watch an episode where Carla talks about. I don't know. Or like, like has an argument with somebody about... I mean, we had this whole feud with Tracy versus Carla and it was boring. Mm. But that was very character-driven. But it didn't work because it was boring. Yeah, it was, that was dragged down too long, wasn't it? Right. Speaking... I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just, I, I just really want to sort of say that I think Coronation Street has adapted incredibly well. And it still does do some... Like, like recently we had that weird story with Leo and brewing his Dwight Eisenhower beer, didn't we? And that was a very much over and done with. That was felt quite old school, we said on the podcast at the time. What's going on I in think, the Rovers? I think very recently I feel like Coronation Street has focused a bit more on... Mm. And George and his snoring this year as well. That felt 
kind of classic Corrie, didn't it? Yeah. Very low key. How are the characters interacting with each other? What's Todd going to say next when he when he finds the CPAP machine or, or whatever? Yeah. Well, I just don't think it's beneficial to look back at Coronation Street and say how you know how can we re how can we recapture what made Coronation Street popular in nineteen sixty. You know, in 1960, because it is not going to re- no. be relevant. And, and and it's not fair to say it was better in the olden days as well. And yes, we do. We now have a newfound appreciation for the early episodes. But modern Corrie, when it's good, it's flipping amazing. And for, and sometimes that period might last many many months, like 2017, which had the the who pushed Ken a, a lot of feeling stuff. Um, I can't remember what else. That that was a that was a really brilliant year. That we were we were loving it at the time, and or sometimes it might last for you know a couple of weeks of brilliantness, like the the Sebenina story. That was you know just as good as some of the earlier brilliant stuff. I loved Horonation Street last year. I know not everybody did. But yeah, modern Corrie, when it gets it right, is still absolutely fantastic. And it can be a lot more intricate, I think, with the the way that characters interplay and how they react to each other and how they conflict with each other. Mm. Because there are so many people and so many conflicting different motivations and, and things. I don't think that, that that Coronation Street in 1960 could have done, like you say, Horonation Street, which, you know, was camp and silly and a bit o- overblown. But it also had some very human conflict and and big dilemmas yeah like with, like with Deb and the kids for example yeah like and we... also with Abby and the gun and being confronted with their son's murderer and Johnny and Jenny the that was amazing fallen out and reunited together just uh, before his death that was tragic mm. and and uh, I, yeah I think Coronation Street has risen to the challenge of every decade just and it's silly to deny that it has because it's lasted and that's yeah. why because it's adaptable mm. because when you tell stories about people and who they are and what they want and 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 you you know appeal to people's very basic needs and and wants and values you you can't really go too wrong yeah. and that's what coronation street is isn't yeah. it it's, yeah. it's stories about people and about their very basic core yeah. values and and how they conflict with other people yeah totally um so I think it, that that that'll do for this discussion. I quite enjoyed that very whistle stop tour of fifty years of Coronation Street with a little bit of modern curry thrown in there as well. Honestly, if you're thinking about maybe getting started and this has kind of made you spurred you, spurred you on a little bit more, then that's good. That's what we wanted. We I really would, want if you li- if you like Coronation Street enough to listen to a podcast about yeah. it and you haven't watched some of the earlier episodes, honestly, do yourself I really want a favor, you to go and watch. Go back. The first 10 episodes. Yeah. Do you like the same characters as us? Are there any surprise characters that you're in there? Any stories that you never knew existed that are like, you know, un- unhidden, uh, unearthed gems like we found with some of them as well? It's so good. It's, it's a big time sink. Um, and, and it's and interesting don't, don't too. Watch it over the, uh, instead of listening to the podcast, no. don't drop us off so that you can just watch old Corey. But yeah, definitely. It's well worth investing some time in, in old Corrie. And even if you've already seen it when it was on, you might be surprised at how your opinions may have yeah, changed. Yeah, we, we, we certainly found that with some stories and characters, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. There we go. There we go. We, we are we done. finally done talking about old Coronation fin- Street? Yeah, but I think we might be talking a bit about old Coronation Street next week, just to warn you. 
Uh, it's going to happen again, but na- <laughs> now we are more experts about it. Like we said, we we, we you know we drop it into I the episodes more. I wouldn't call myself an expert. I think I would call you an expert. Compared, I think you're more expert than lots of Coronation Street viewers, Gemma. I have to tell you. I know, but I'm not very good with names. There are definitely some people out there on the internet that are real, real experts, and they can just straight away reference something or get a get a gif of some okay. random scene or so anything. I would, I would be okay. Um, to be your phone a friend if you're on it who wants to be a millionaire and you had a question about Coronation Street providing it wasn't like the top mm. one but I wouldn't be on a university challenge <laughs> team with Not my yet. expert or maybe that's the challenge for the topic. next for the next ten, de- 10 years of Coronation Street I don't know um, just before we finish the thing is I keep oh, making new episodes and I can't no can't keep up it's pushing up. other stuff it's out of your brain isn't rejecting. it rejecting like even even with the 60s and 70s stuff there's so much that I've forgotten now like I was looking at our notes that we wrote, wrote for the 60s and 70s episodes and I was like oh, God, I barely remember that these days and, and it's funny because it was only a couple of years ago just getting old and imagine if you'd watched it when it was in the 60s yeah exactly like I, 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 I certainly know who a lot more characters are now but there was so much that I wouldn't be able to just reference straight away because it's it doesn't stick in my brain as as well as it as it used to but you know i am almost oh yeah pushing 40 um just before we finish there were a couple of things that i meant to mention at the beginning of the podcast that i didn't i'm going to say now for anyone that has stuck it out for this long next episode um of the podcast isn't going to be out on saturday morning i've got an end of term due at the, with my colleagues at school on friday night so we're not going to be able to record on friday night i think it might be like sunday i'm going to say when that might come out so i'm sorry we have to wait a little bit longer for that one and also finally i'm um, speaking of this weekend don't forget saturday is um, when uh, 2 p.m. is when you can um, hopefully get yourself some tickets for our online cast versus fans quiz um, where you get to go head to head with one member of the Coronation Street cast with uh, seven questions about their characters. Um, for more details, check out our social media. Uh, we've put up a few posts about it already and uh, we'll be posting more about it um, at the time. I don't know how quickly think this is going to sell out. I'm kind of hoping quickly, but I don't know. But if that's something that you've um, not heard about before, you've not heard us talking about, have a look into it. If you've heard about it and forgotten about it well here's your last reminder because it's happening in a couple of days um hope uh, hope that everybody who wants to get a place is able to get one i'm looking forward to to doing some recording with you later on this uh this month or early next month and that's it isn't it that's that it. it that's the podcast that is the podcast we're, we're done we're done we're gonna have spaghetti bolognese for tea hooray um and i think i've realized that i need to buy a present for the cleaners at school as well so i might go out and buy a present or maybe do it in the morning i'll have to sleep right goodbye everybody see you um later this weekend and ta-ra bye, bye. music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com bye